What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast. Bill Rossetti of Panthers Wire hitting you guys back up on this 4th of July. Happy holidays, and hope you guys are having a good one. If you've celebrated over the past weekend, hope you had a good time. If you're celebrating tonight or if you're celebrating this weekend, be safe, have fun, and enjoy the week. Enjoy the heat for some of you as well. I know up here in my area here in PA, it's been a brutal heat wave. But we're uh, we're making it through. But we're here. We're wrapping up our divisional previews. We have one division to talk about, and it of course is the one that features the Carolina Panthers, the one we've all been waiting for. I'm sure. <laughs> Today we are going to preview the NFC South, and just like with some of these other divisions, certainly a lot of a lot of stories to talk about. So we'll start with the Atlanta Falcons. Coming off an offseason now where they just gave big money to Matt Ryan. I believe the biggest contract, at least to this point, biggest contract in NFL history, which also gave him... About $100 million guaranteed. It was a five-year five year $150 million contract with $100 million total guaranteed. He got $94.5 million guaranteed at signing. That was his signing bonus of $46.5 million. His 2018 salary of $6 million. His 2019 salary of $11.5 million. His 2019 option bonus of $2 million and his 2020 salary of $20.5 million. And then the remaining $5.5 million of that guaranteed, which is from his 2021 salary, becomes fully guaranteed on the third league day of 2019. So I remember seeing an article from Pro Football Talk that basically talked about the only way that the Falcons would not pay, would not have to pay that $100 million guarantee to Matt Ryan as if they cut him before the start of the next league year, in which he would be guaranteed $94.5 million. So basically, you might as well say $100 million guaranteed, and of course the rest of the money comes from his option bonuses, his roster bonus in 2022, and then you know, big numbers, and 2023. So basically, he's locked in for the next maybe five years, possibly six. You know, he's not scheduled to become a free agent now until 2024. You know, this is a team, of course, bounced back nice last season after the uh, the whole mess of the Super Bowl choke job, as it were. Uh, you have Steve Sarkeesy now in his second year as offensive coordinator. And they addressed the offense a little bit in the draft, which of course included their first-round pick, Calvin Ridley, the wide receiver out of Alabama. So now you got the Alabama duo, as it were, with Ridley and Julio Jones. And they still have Mohamed Sanu in play. Also brought in Brandon Fusco, former Niners guard. So he should 
he'll likely slot in at right guard. You've still got the rest of the line back from last year. Jake Matthews, Andy Levitre, Alex Mack, and Ryan Schrader. Um, running back running back tandem is still strong. Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman also went out and drafted Edo Smith in the fourth round, the productive running back out of Southern Miss. And then you look at the tight end position, you'd like to see Austin Hooper step up a little bit. You know, he was kind of up and down in 2017. But now, you know, you don't have Levine Tololo anymore, so Hooper looks to be the guy. We've also got Eric Sobert, the fifth-round pick last year, and Logan Pawson in the mix as well. But we know this offense is still going to be pretty high-flying, especially now that Matt Ryan has gotten all that money. So it wouldn't be surprising to see them kind of really run through the offense more with uh, with Matt Ryan. So always interesting, you know, again, with Sarkeesian in his second year, that's certainly an intriguing factor. So we'll see if they can kind of improve a little bit after they seem to take a, a little bit of a step back from 2016. Now, granted, they put up pretty ridiculous numbers in 2016 that it was almost tough to really duplicate those numbers in 2016 or in 2017 then you go to the defensive side of the ball you're obviously still quite young you did lose Dontari Poe to free agency of course to the Panthers but you still have Grady Jarrett in play Jack Crawford now there they also drafted Deidre Sanat the South Florida product in the third round was a guy I was pretty impressed by so I'll be excited to see see what he can do uh, line, linebacker group is still pretty strong as well oh yeah they also of course signed Terrell McLean in um, in free agency then you look at the linebacker group of course you know, still have a bunch of the young studs in Duke Riley Deion Jones and Devondre Campbell. You know, so really, really no issues there. They've it's been a really did a nice job building a, a really strong crew there with within the last two drafts there. And then secondary, all you know, certainly is still fairly young as well. Uh, Robert Alford and Desmond Trufant both on only entering their sixth year together. Ricardo Allen in entering his fifth year. Keanu Neal, third year. And you still have guys like Brian Poole and second year DeMonte KZ, brought in Justin Bethel. So you definitely got a lot of talent here. Uh, I think this is definitely a defense, just like last year, that looks pretty promising. You know, and then they're going to have to be in in this division we know how good these offenses can be so really really excited to see what what the falcons can do here especially up front how are they going to replace dontari poe i think that's certainly the kind of the big issue here you know will guys like jack crawford or even deidre sanat be able to fill the role that or fill the hole that dontari poe left behind let's move on to new orleans now who really bounced back in 2017 after seemingly like a string of 
seven and nine record. Came back to finish eleven and five last year. Won the NFC South. Nearly made the NFC Championship game, but of course that missed tackle by Marcus Williams really put a damper on those plans and really created what turned out to be one of the greatest plays of the NFL season when the Vikings scored a touchdown on the final play as time expired. Though, they kind of let themselves get into that position by letting the Saints come back from an 18-point deficit. But it still turned into an exciting finish. But the Saints ended up falling short. And now, you know, here we are, another year closer to the end of Drew Brees. You know, he did sign a new two-year deal, which more, I think, is really like a one-year deal with an option for Drew Brees. You would have thought they, I mean, I guess they kind of did. You would, you, would, you would have figured going into this offseason they would try to do what they can to make it one last one last run for for Drew Brees but you know and I, I we talked about this before on a previous podcast how extremely surprising it was to see the Saints move up in the draft in the first round to take Marcus Davenport the defensive end out of Texas San Antonio and I'm not not that Davenport's bad you know he's he, he obviously flashed times but I just didn't expect a team to make that big of a move for him. When the trade was initially announced, when we saw the Saints had moved up in the draft, we thought it was – a lot of us, including myself, thought it was going to be for Lamar Jackson. We thought, you know, this is going to be the time that the Saints start to look for their replacement for Drew Brees. And we thought in this offense it could be pretty exciting with Sean Payton. But nope, it wound up being Marcus Henry. Or Marcus Davenport, excuse me. I'm, I'm looking at the R lads, and I saw the names Marcus and Henry like right on top of each other. <laughs> but Marcus Davenport, and of course not only moving up in the draft to get him, but also trading next year's first-round pick to get him. So you're essentially spending two first-round picks on what a lot of people were considering a raw edge prospect. You know, maybe... Maybe he surprises us and develops quicker than quicker than we expect. You know, we'll see. Obviously, you have guys like Cameron Jordan and Sheldon Rankins there, and on the interior, David Onyemata and Tyler Davison. Um, but certainly, Marcus Davenport is going to be he's going to be an intriguing focal point, especially in preseason, just because of how much the Saints spent to get him. Uh, you look at the rest of the defense, of course you have former Panther A.J. Klein there, at linebacker Demario Davis, the former Jet, uh, last year's third-round pick Alex Anzalone out of Florida, who was a guy I, I really liked. You know, I got to see him at the Senior Bowl in 2017. I thought he was uh, pretty impressive, really intrigued by his skill set there at linebacker. And then despite... Despite that goof at the end of the playoff game, Marcus Williams still had a fantastic rookie season, as did, of course, cornerback Marshawn Lattimore. So it's really setting them up for a nice uh, a nice group there for years to come. you got those two, and then you've also got Vaughn Bell there, as Kenny Vaccaro has moved on. 
I believe trying to, I don't believe he uh yeah Kenny Vaccaro's as of now is still a free agent in fact the last the last blurb on him on Roto World was May 14th so about six seven weeks ago saying that he previously visited the Dolphins and had a visit lined up with the Jets uh, but as it turns out, he is still a free agent, which is pretty surprising. But, you know, Saints rolling with Vaughn Bell and you have P.J. Williams there as well. Also drafted a couple corners this year, too, in Natrell Jamerson and Cameron Moore. And obviously the offensive side of the ball, we, you know, we know how fantastic it is. You know, Michael Thomas is back, Ted Ginn. Um, he also brought in Austin Carr. Cameron Meredith is one of the new faces there as well after they gave him the offer sheet and the and the Bears chose not to match him. So it will be pretty interesting to see Meredith in there. Also third-round pick, Traquan Smith, the receiver out of South Florida. Uh, also addressed offensive line a little bit in the draft when they took Will Clapp in the seventh round. But the guys they have up front are... Also in the fourth round, excuse me, too, Rick Leonard out of Florida State. Now, that seemed like a little bit of a reach, but, you know, you go out and you get your guy, essentially. But the guys up front, Taron Armstead, Andrews Peed, Max Unger, Larry Warford, Ryan Ramchick. Ramchick was another guy that had a, a fantastic rookie season. So it's, that was one of the big reasons why the Saints were so successful last season was because they got such great production out of a bunch of their rookies, namely uh, – the two first-round picks in Ryan Ramchick and Marshawn Ladmore, and then, of course, Marcus Williams as well, the second-round pick. And even Alex Anzalone, the third-round pick. I mean, a lot a lot of their their rookie class from last year really produced. And, of course, you can't forget Alvin Kamara, too. You know, how can I let – how can I forget about him? Uh, Alvin Kamara just had a, a tremendous rookie season and now he's going to get a chance to be the head guy for a little bit because of course Mark Ingram suspended for the first four games of the season so it's it's going to be the Alvin Kamara show you're already seeing in fantasy drafts that Alvin Kamara is going to be a first round pick so we'll see what he does uh in his in his second year but certainly can't certainly hard to think the Saints are going to fall back a little bit obviously all the talents there. The question really, the question with this franchise right now is, what's the future? You know, especially in terms of the quarterback position. Again, how much longer does Drew Brees have? You know, yeah, he's he's still playing on a, a very highly high productive level, but how much longer can he sustain that? I believe he's 30, 39. Drew Brees just turned 39, so. He's getting close to that uh, that magic number of 40 years old. And then you look at the the depth chart behind him. Tom Savage, Taysom Hill, and JT Barrett. Now, Taysom Hill, of course, we saw how athletic he was playing a lot of special teams as a, as the third quarterback. You don't see that too often. But again, overall, really got to like the production that you have or that you expect to see out of the Saints and Definitely look like the favorite to win this division again. Speaking of quarterbacks, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will not have theirs for the first three games of the season. 
we, as we know, just recently, Jameis Winston, the uh, has had his off-field issues, and thanks to that Uber incident in 2016, he has been suspended for the first three games. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, our old buddy, will get the nod at least for the first three games, and it's a tough three-game stretch. I mean, it's, it's not a good time if you're a Buccaneers fan to see your starting quarterback get suspended. They've got New Orleans week one on the road, and then they're home against Philadelphia and Pittsburgh in weeks two and three. I mean, it's very conceivable that this team can start 0-3, and, and that obviously would not be the the start the, the Buccaneers want, especially in this kind of division. You know, there were disappointment last year. There were a lot of expectations. I know I personally pegged them as a potential wild card pick, and they obviously bombed out a little bit. So to not have Jameis Winston for those first couple games against those three high-quality opponents is not going to be a good look. You know, yeah, you still have the talent on the outside, Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, uh, Chris Godwin, also drafted Justin Watson. Also addressed the running back position in the draft. Ronald Jones, the running back out of USC, they took in the second round. I uh, still have Jacquees Rogers, Charles Sims, Peyton Barber. You know, so going to be an interesting mix there. Certainly wouldn't be surprising to see Ronald Jones kind of take the starting nod or at least the bulk of the carries at some point during the season. But again, uh, I mean, you know, we've we've seen the magic Ryan Fitzpatrick has had in the past. But uh, again, it just comes down to the fact that they're playing two or excuse me, three very tough opponents um, in the time that Jameis Winston will be will be out and then even coming out of that that suspension when Jameis Winston does come back I believe they have Chicago in week four yep at Chicago week four and we know Chicago's an up-and-coming team I mean Mitchell Trubisky now with all those weapons I mean so they're it's conceivable they could lose that and then they have the bye in week five and then they visit Atlanta in week six you know, and I saw someone say this on Twitter, too. It's possible, you know, they, they might steal one of these games. But it's also kind of possible that this Buccaneers team will start 0-5, you know, with that kind of gauntlet of a schedule. So, it's tough, and, you know, you again, you look at Jameis Winston, and you have to start thinking to yourself, and I'm sure, you know, obviously a lot of media has talked about this as well, what is the future of Jameis Winston? You know, he is now entering year, uh, year four as the starting quarterback, so you've only got one year left after this season. And I think the money right now is only guaranteed for injury only. I'm actually going to look that up real quick, but, you know, you know, so just looking at it quick, he's actually due a salary of almost $21 million. 
Oh yeah, that's right. He it it was fully guaranteed. That's right. So that is a that is a guaranteed. Is a guaranteed amount though. Actually, looking at spot rack, there's nothing as far as dead cap goes. If they were to, although yeah, like I said, I think that's only guaranteed right now for injury only. But in all likelihood, he'll. But who knows? You know. Yeah, actually looking at over the cap as well too. He uh Yeah, the salary is guaranteed for injury and will become fully guaranteed on the first day of the 2019 league year. So it could present a uh a tough decision for the Buccaneers. Do they cut Winston if things kind of go awry? Do they cut Winston before the start of the league year and save that $21 million? And then essentially go back to the well, as it were, for quarterback. Obviously, the suspension isn't really going to help much. So you could be looking at a make-or-break year for Jameis Winston. And, he, and you know, looking at the defense, um, another guy that you've start to wonder what his future is in Tampa Bay is Gerald McCoy because he's certainly not getting younger. I think he's pretty close to 30 years old, if I'm not mistaken. And they went out and drafted the defensive tackle in the first round, in the first round in Vita Vea, the big dude out of Washington also signed Bo Allen in free agency so have to wonder a little bit how much long he does now he does have three years left on his contract but they could actually cut him after this season and not have any dead money and he's actually still old about 33 million dollars over the next three years now would they cut him this soon I don't know. Time would tell, but you know, those are kind of those things that you you certainly have to keep in mind when it comes to kind of these quote unquote older players. I mean, again, he is 30 years old now. Um, also went out and kind of remade the defensive end rotation, signing Vinnie Curry, formerly the Eagles, and trading for Jason Pierre-Paul. And you still have Noah Spence, who has turned into a, a very good pass rusher for them as well. So this is a, a really good front four rotation for the Buccaneers. And then, you know, linebackers, you've got obviously Levante David there, Quan Alexander in the middle, and Kendall Beckwith listed as the starting Sam. And then secondary also got a little bit of a, a makeover as well as they drafted a pair of cornerbacks in the second round, Carlton Davis out of Auburn and MJ Stewart out of North Carolina. This is probably a warning sign for Vernon Hargraves, the first round pick in 2016, who hasn't really lived up to expectations, according to some people. So if he 
if he doesn't step up, you could very well see one of those rookies step in and take over. Um, you know, you've also got Ryan Smith and Brent Grimes there as well, and then Chris Conti and Keith Tandy there at the safety position. They also grabbed a couple safeties in the draft and in, as uh, undrafted free agents. Jordan Whitehead, the Pittsburgh product in round four, and then after the draft they signed Godwin Iguabuki of Northwestern. You know, so it's it's not a it's not a terrible roster, but again, the fact that Jameis Winston is out for the first couple games could really start this team off on the wrong foot. Again, especially with that first game being against New Orleans, um, you could already find yourself kind of behind the eight ball uh, in this division. And then finally we get to the Carolina Panthers. And you know, we've we've obviously talked about the Panthers for quite a bit here, so you kind of already get already have my my thoughts on where they stand right now. Biggest question mark for me, as I've mentioned many times, is on the offensive line, especially the left side. You know, can Matt Khalil finally step up? Who plays who takes the job at left guard? Um, right side of the, the the line is pretty set, though you're starting to get into a little bit of a contract dispute with Daryl Williams. And then Ryan Khalil, we know this is his final season. Uh, and then Daryl Will or uh, Trey Turner there at right guard. And you, you definitely got some depth at uh, on the line. Blaine Clasell, I mean Silatolu. Though again, I expect Silatolu probably ends up the starter and Surlis. Ends up as one of the backups. Same with Tyler Larson, Taylor Moten. You know, excited to see how McCaffrey and C.J. Anderson work together. You know, how much of a role is C.J. Anderson going to have? Uh, and then Cameron Artis-Payne, how many snaps does he get? Defensively, you know, again, Dontari Poe now in the mix. Really got to like him and K1 Short there in the middle. Uh, Kyle Love, like to see him step a little, a little bit in front of Butler. You want to see him step up a little bit as well. And then the two rookies, Tracy Sprinkle and Kendrick Norton. Uh, pretty intrigued by Kendrick Norton, too. Excited to see what he can do this preseason, if he can kind of earn a spot here. Uh, look at the defensive line, or the defensive ends here. Julius Peppers and Mario Addison. Yeah, both on the, the wrong side of 30, but both played very productively last season. Peppers, of course, I uh, think he was like tied for 10th or tied for 15th. He was pretty, fairly high up there uh, in terms of sacks last year. And then you're looking for guys like Brian Cox and Wes Horton to step up. I think Horton's a guy that the Panthers seem pretty high on. Um, excited to potentially see him really work his way more up in, into this rotation. And then you got to see what you have in Deshaun Hall, the third-round pick of the last year who spent the season on injured reserve. Linebackers, obviously, Thomas Davis suspended for the first four games. So as I've, as I've thought and a few others have thought, look to see more nickel situations. You know, you may just see Shaq Thompson and Luke Keekley on the field. So expect to see maybe more of Captain Motherland on the field or one of the other corners. 
you know, I, I think that's going to be one of the interesting things maybe in the preseason to kind of see if they tinker around with some with some nickel options like that just to kind of get a feel for where they might be going in those first four games. And then you look at a bunch of the rookies, uh, Dante Jackson in the mix to start, uh, possibly outside or in the slot, uh, look for Corn Elder, you know, rookie last year, but he he spent last season on injured reserve as well, so he more or less is a rookie. And then you look at the linebackers they brought in, Jermaine Carter, Marquise Haynes, Andre Smith, though Marquise Haynes is probably going to be more of a, a defensive end, more of a situational pass rusher. Uh, Jermaine Carter is a guy that I think can work his way up into one of those, maybe the top reserve linebacker. Uh, should produce real well, I think, on special teams too. And then, of course, the big thing is, you know, how will Cam Newton and North Turner kind of work together? Because you know, we know Cam Newton really isn't a a quarterback that Newton, or that North Turner's really worked with in the past, but he's obviously a bright offensive mind. I think he will have something in place to really work on the strengths of Cam Newton. And then the host of receivers that they have now, including rookie DJ Moore. I'm excited to see his playmaking ability and what he can bring to the table here. Uh, you brought in Torrey Smith from the Eagles. You brought in Jarius Wright from the Vikings. Of course, Devin Funches and Demir Bird still in play. Curtis Samuel is going to be another guy that a lot of eyes will be on. You know, he he certainly has his work cut out for him. So we'll see if he can step up this preseason and really fight for a role. Again, with all these receivers now in tow. But overall, if I had to if I had to look ahead, like I said, I. I think I'm going to pick the Saints right now to win the division. Um, and I've said on a couple of podcasts, I think it's going to be very difficult for this division to see three playoff teams again, only because of the high competitiveness of the NFC South. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Panthers are that team that's kind of pushed out uh, in terms of those wild cards. You know, I could see the Falcons grabbing one of those spots and then you've got a possibly deal with the Packers for one of the spots, maybe the 49ers, um, depending on how far Russell Wilson can drag them, maybe the Seahawks. Um, you know, yeah, they're obviously in complete rebuild mode, at least on the defense, but we saw how how much Russell Wilson basically carried that team. So really will be interesting in that sense. You know, the, the, the wild card picture there. Even Dallas could be in play. Detroit could be in play. So, a lot, lot of competition there, but it wouldn't surprise me to see Carolina sneak in there as well. Maybe win 10, possibly 11 games again, and sneak into the playoffs. So, this will definitely be one of the, the better, more intriguing divisions, I think, to watch again in the NFL. So, that's it. You know, it took a little bit since obviously we had some time off, but that's all eight divisions covered with training camp a couple of weeks away. Um... The rest of the week, we're going to focus a little more on the Panthers. Uh, tomorrow, you'll actually get my appearance with Aaron Freeman on the Locked On Falcons podcast, talking to him about the Panthers offseason and kind of what to expect. And then Friday um, will be my interview with Connor Rogers 
of Bleacher Report, breaking down a little more of the Panthers' rookies and then touching a little bit on some prospects for the 2019 draft, particularly quarterbacks and running backs. Certainly be on the lookout for that. So with that, we're going to get out of here. Uh, I want to thank you guys, as always, for sticking with me here. It's always a lot of fun. Really do appreciate it. So this is Bill Rossetti saying thanks for listening to the Locked On Panthers podcast, and we'll see you next time right here on LOP.